0: Athlete Mindset is part of the Source Podcast Network. At Source, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching Source on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. The KazSource Podcast Network. This is the Athlete Mindset Podcast, and it's all about mental health and sports. Presented and produced by Sporty Plus, part of the Source Podcast Network. Athlete Mindset is hosted by Lisa Bontasumi, Lisa is a therapist and mental performance consultant to high-performing athletes at the youth, collegiate, and professional levels. Lisa also works with teams, coaches, and other members of the sports ecosystem. The Athlete Mindset Podcast is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. I am Eric Kazimov, founder of KazSource and the creator of Sports E+. I'm hosting the Athlete Mindset Podcast on this platform, as I deeply believe these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized.
1: Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun.
2: Yeah. Well, I wanted to start off at first and learn a little bit about ATH Mindset, Ath Mindset. Tell us about it.
1: Yes, Ath Mindset. So Ath Mindset was birthed out of the visibility and the platform I have. As the mental health and performance coach at the Oakland Roots, I've gotten surprisingly a lot of just attention from that role. As we know, it's something unique and newish in the sports industry. And so, as a result, people are asking me, Hey, can you work with my youth team? Can you work with our coaching staff? Can you work with these parents? And I was like, Oh, wow, like the whole ecosystem of the athlete is in need of some support, especially coming out of the pandemic. I mean, we're still in it officially, but. The sheltering in place, part of the pandemic, really impacted a lot of a lot of people during that time, including athletes. And so I was like, "Wow, this response is real, or this desire for a response is real." Let me see if I can position myself to do so. So myself and my husband, who's also a therapist, is the COO of Ath Mindset. I'm the CEO, and together we're building a team of therapists, licensed clinicians, and mental performance consultants to serve the athlete and and the entire ecosystem. So the the vision is that, you know, I will prioritize female and brown and black practitioners to be able to offer the opportunity for athletes who fit that demographic to work with someone who looks like them and to develop these up-and-coming practitioners through the support of our infrastructure and supervision and consultation and help them do the work that they're passionate about and want to do.
2: Talk about, I think it, most people don't realize, the lack of practitioners that are black and brown when it comes to therapy, psychology, a lot of things and what that creates. Can you talk about that for just a minute?
1: Yeah, I think that if we're going to go down that road, that there are, that our systems of education are created and grounded in the white supremacy. And, and, and it's hard to access those structures fully, like standardized testing, the access and resources for... Black and brown people to get their education, to take it to the next level, to be taken seriously as a profession. And that's a no-brainer for me. And I want to be able to highlight these communities and these communities of people to be able to be in their profession and be able to do the work that they want to do and not have a barrier there for them to access and serve the populations that they want to serve. So
2: love it. What originally led you down this career path into kind of the mental performance psychology world?
1: Yeah, so it's an interesting story. So I've been a therapist for over 20 years, and growing up, though I was an athlete, and I had a really, really tough time exiting the sport. I played soccer from age seven to 17, and then dealt with an injury that ended up being an injury that I couldn't come back from. my My family didn't have the wherewithal or resources to support me in my recovery, physically or mentally, and you know. I ended up not being able to play in college. That was my hope and was on my way. But then entered college without the built-in support system of a team. Like my sisters on my team from age seven, you know, my coaches as mentors, like they were already built in and like given to me. I didn't have the skills or needed to utilize them to build that kind of community around me. So I entered into college not knowing how to navigate my social life, navigate What is my life going to be now without soccer? Like I was only a student and athlete. And so half of me is gone. How do I like survive an already stressful environment? Any college student going into college for the first time is already a huge, huge stressor and a huge adjustment that a lot of young people don't have the tools and skills to navigate that transition or even know they need them. So I entered into that, that time lost. So for... About two, two and a half years, I was in a real dark place. I was involved in a lot of dangerous behaviors, made wrong choices until I found a new community. And so that was better. So it was so painful, though, I put that to the side. So fast forward again, I'm a therapist, doing my life, having fun with it, loving it. And then my daughter starts to become this amazing, high-performing softball player, a sport that she found on her own, a sport that me and my husband knew nothing about. But now I think I know just as much about softball as I do about soccer, if not more, and helping her through her process of development in the sport. So she dealt with lack of belief, performance anxiety, like, if I suck on the field, then I suck as a person kind of thinking. And so me and my husband were like, oh, we can probably help her with some of that sort of reshaping her thought and thus how she feels about herself and thus then how she behaves on the field. So we helped her and I was like, yo, like, this is cool. Like, I love working in this way. Then I started working with her team and then her organization. And then went back to school to supplement my clinical experience and agree with the mental performance side. So that's kind of how it all happened. So basically inspired by my daughter.
2: Love it. You touched on identity. I think that's an important thing because I think brought it up on a few past episodes. I struggled about three years into my professional career after college athletics, like big time, you know getting diagnosed with depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. at that point, feeling lost without a team, without a coach. What are some things that student athletes and coaches can do to encourage a more healthy relationship and separate their performance from some of their identity?
1: Yeah, I think it's important, like the mantra I like to use is your sport is what you do, not what you are. Your sport is what you do. It's how you express one aspect of yourself It doesn't define you as a whole person. So it's something that I talk to my young athletes about, you know, making sure that you have other outlets to express yourself, other areas that bring you self-confidence, that bring you joy, that bring you a sense of self-pride. If we put all our eggs in one basket and then that basket breaks and all the eggs fall out, like it's tough to manage when you don't have another basket to look for. So like having multiple identities, like if that's... Playing an instrument or volunteering or mentoring or anything of the sort that lets you be you in other areas. I actually did a podcast interview myself with two collegiate soccer players who said that actually their interest and participation in other areas of their life besides school and their sport helped them be better when they played their sport because they're able to bring those experiences from those other communities. things to their sport and to their team dynamic that actually help them feel better about what they can contribute. So I think that's so important.
2: And I think expanding helps us grow, right? And I think that I kind of call it sometimes cross-confidence because you go into these things where maybe you're a novice at musically art, you know, it's not sport. And just like you said, this confidence or new life kind of is created from this thing that isn't maybe your main thing. Can you talk about one, kind of how that confidence effect can happen and then two other ways that young athletes can build confidence in a healthy way?
1: Yeah, no, I love that question because a lot of people don't realize that confidence can be developed, that, you know, a lot of our young folks feel like, oh, I don't really have that fire. I really wasn't born that way. Or like, that's not how we are in our family. And that like, okay, like that might be your personality or your disposition, but just because you're not born with a level of confidence doesn't mean you can't develop it. So confidence is a mental skill and there there are tools, mental tools that we can train on and practice that can help develop those mental skills. Like confidence is one, motivation, being able to regulate your emotions. Those are all skills. And so with confidence, the tools that I really like to work on with my athletes are self talk making sure that what you are allowing to seep into your brain and your existence is positive because when it's positive then you're going to feel positive and then you're going to behave as a result of that positivity right so catching like i suck today like uh like okay i'm catching it i'm noticing it let me pivot i'm doing the best i can right now you know and i'm going to keep fighting and i'm going to keep trying and i'm going to keep staying present that's what i'm going to do right now and then your brain's gonna like, you know, move in that, that direction and be in that area. Our brain is archaic, it's reptilian, it wants to go to the negative, it wants to like make sure we're scanning for all the potential danger signs in our life. As cavemen, that's what we had to do. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully, we're now evolved and our brain isn't as it, but we, if we, it wants to be optimized, though, so if we train it, it'll optimize to what we're training it in. If we train it in positivity, affirming messages, positive self talk, that will help in the growing of the self-confidence as a skill. That's one tool.
2: How do you feel when they talk about like, heard name it to frame it? Like, so when that voice pops up, you know, I had a friend, he used this example, he had a tangent of his own name, you know, and when that was voiced he's like, you know, you could talk to it and it, helped, does it, it helps separate in some instances where like, oh, Jerky Jake showing up up there, you better be quiet, right? Like, I mean, it starts the process of separating.
1: No, I love it. That's funny. I've never heard that. But what you're talking about is personifying the thought and naming it. We can do that in a lot of different areas. We do that even with our injury. I've learned about that through some of my my mm-hmm. colleagues around this sort of psychology of injury. We can name it. Like this isn't my bad shoulder, and like so we're judging it. It's like, uh, but this is Nancy over here, and if Nancy, you know, is misbehaving right now, let's like have, get her back on track. Or like, oh, that voice right there, that's Timothy. Like he's bugging me right now. Let like let's talk back to Timothy. And get back to where we're supposed to be. Don't let these Nancy's and Timothy's like take you off track of where you want to be.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love, I think I'm glad you brought up self talk because I think it's so important. So I I love asking kids, you know, if you talk to your friends like you talk to yourself, would they still be your friends? Right. You know, we can be so overly critical again with this archaic brain. It's so easy to do. What, uh, talk about confidence, kind of how you got into working with teams and athletes a bit more. Is there a mental skill that you love teaching or that you find a lot of your athletes that maybe there's a lot of aha moments around maybe a couple of weeks later after they learn it that kind of gets you jazzed up to teach people?
1: Totally, totally. I mean, I think whatever the mental skill... So let's say, whatever the scenario is and whatever mental skill that they can develop to help with that scenario is what I get excited about because each athlete is different. Yeah. And if, if we can identify what's the area that you feel that you're lacking in or like hearing them tell their story a little bit, and then I can be like, oh, that sounds like motivation or that sounds like confidence or it sounds like you don't know how to calm yourself in a certain scenario. Like me learning and having them share their story and share some of their lived experience. And I can say like, oh, I have some ideas about how you can feel better about that aspect of your sport. And so let's say if we move on to motivation as a skill, then I can teach them some of the tools to help develop that skill. And imagery and goal setting are are some of my favorite ones. Goal setting, because let's say a goalie says, I want to, you know, have a clean sheet. So not have any goals against me in this game. Okay, but you have to remember that that has not everything to do with you. You're not fully in control of that goal. That's an outcome goal that you might have for a couple games this next game. But what are you going to do in your position how are you going to prepare to help make that most successful knowing that there's so many aspects that are not in your control or maybe breaking it down to a process goal? I am going to do these many, like I'm going to rehearse, saving the ball, diving to the right side 50 times at the end of training session this week for the upcoming game. So that's a process goal that's measurable that you can check off when you do it. It's fully in your control and that that builds that motivation and the confidence actually to like be like, oh, I'm in charge of this. I have some agency. I can do this. And then hopefully, you know, everybody else on the team is doing their part and is setting their process goals to also contribute to that. So that, that's a really important one. Making sure that the goal you're setting is something that you're fully in control of and that's realistic and measurable and something that you can check off. And when you check it off, the brain likes that. Yeah. So yep. being able to set those goals, check them off.
2: Get some dopamine and check it off the
1: box. Dopamine, exactly.
2: <laughs> and that's what I means that You can... Feel yourself the good stuff. Uh, You touched on it being a sports parent. A lot of youth ecosystems can be chaotic, often when asked about, attributed to our parents. What are some things that parents maybe sometimes get lost on and maybe to follow up, you know, things that they can do to best support their child wherever they're at in their kind of athletic journey? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the first part of the answer to that question is the parents having a self-awareness of who they are in relation to their kid in their sport. You know, when you say a certain something or encourage a certain something or poo-poo a certain something, where is that coming from? Is that coming from what you are vibing from your kid or is that something from yourself? Like, I find that a lot of parents, without them even realizing it, so that's where the self-awareness come in, are living vicariously through their kid. Like, I never made it to such and such level, but I'll be damned that my child won't. And so, like, I'm going to do everything I can to get them there without asking the child, like, "Mm, is this what you want to do? Like, are you prepared for this? Are you preparing for this level and this type of competition or this type of participation? Like, are you? Are you good? And like, just having our kid guide us. I think that's, Because our kids, they feel a lot of pressure, even the verbal and nonverbal pressure that gives them anxiety. They don't want to let anybody down. They want to impress their parents or parents and they won't speak up about it. You know, they want to just do what they're told and like go out there and like make them proud. So we have to be really, really sensitive and conscientious and aware about what's going on with the kid and how to best support them being who they want to be in it. I tell my kid all the time, she wants to play college softball, I'm like, this is reality. It's not all fun and games, bro. Yeah, There are times when you're going to be getting from 5 a.m. to do weights and like train two a day and like get home at 8 and not have eaten and still have to do your homework. Like, you ready for that? Like, a lot of parents need to know what the reality of it is. This isn't about just like the big dollar, like scholarship and NIL deal or blah blah Like, yeah. preparing themselves and their their kid for the realities of what it is. That's
2: My dad jokes when I was you know, fortunate to get a football scholarship, people would say, hey, your kid got a free ride. And you say, no, I got the free ride. He's working his ass off. <laughs> and I think that exactly. it only gets harder. And I think that's, you know, the harder with, and you get further from your support system. And I think that exactly. is also a, a big stat out there that, you know, one out of five kids that do give out a scholar, give up their scholarship, it's because they're too far from home. Yeah. It's the support system that's absent. And so I think, again, importance of creating these skills so that we can support ourselves better.
1: Exactly. And learn how to create a new support system elsewhere to be able to not feel alone. Because that's what happened with me in college when I was in that dark spot. My work-study boss became my mom away from home. And then she invited me into her family and her community. And so I felt like a part of something again. So if it's not with us when we go, like how do we create it or find it before we even get
2: there? Most definitely. one of the things I wanted to ask you too. Another former guest of mine. We were having a conversation around the saying "How you do anything is how you do everything," and we were talking about how it's a little bit outdated, lacks a lot of evidence in the real world, and you know we were challenged by one or two other people in this. But the thing I, I kind of take from that is also this idea of you know wanted to hear your opinion on that. How you do anything, how you do everything. And you know the other thing we talked about was context does matter in our world, and I think when you look at that relationally, it falls very flat. And how you treat your husband or child is how you treat everyone, because <laughs> I don't think that's right. realistic either. What do you think about that saying? How does that?
1: Connect? I don't know. I've never, I've never heard
2: it. I hear it a lot. Like and so I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to get your your thought on it. I guess kind of a tangent on that question. Coaches a lot of times cry for buy-in. I want buy-in on my team. I want p- kids and p- families, whoever, to buy-in. And then I think that buzzword kind of trips my trigger a little bit because you I want to know what you're selling. And you talked about creating that community and that culture, but how can coaches create cultures where instead of trying to offer to sell something for buy-in, that they're giving their athletes and people in the program equity to create? what they're being a part of.
1: Exactly, exactly right. I love that. Like if you're asking for buying, that means you're selling something and it's already been created and manufactured. So it's not a collaborative product, quote unquote, or piece of whatever or something. But like, I think every season, and this, this happens, and every year, especially in the collegiate seasons, the way they are, like every year, it's a different crew, it's a different squad. Same with the pro sports. Like we're about to, you know, we're just announcing our new coaching staff for this upcoming season. And then thus comes, okay, who are the personnel, who are the rest of the staff? And it changes every year. And so those humans who make up the squad and the staff bring their own individual vibe, culture, way of doing things. And I think it's the staff's responsibility to highlight the strengths of all of that, bring us together for, for a few common goals or sets of values that our organization is about these core values our team runs from these core values and this is how we're going to express them in the team and this is how we're going to know each other and bond as humans with the same goal about those values but also winning like people want to win and it's the process of how you get to winning that i think is important sometimes left out do you want to be like winning, crawling over the finish line, so to speak, with bloody knees or do you want to win with you know your hands in the air and everybody have their arms around each other crossing it together? It's just how do we create that experience and it starts with it being collaborative and not, I'm dishing you this thing, you got to buy it or not. But like, how do we come together and create it together that we can all have some say in, that we can all have some ownership in and accountability and believe in it?
2: Love it. Your former soccer player. The World Cup's going on right now. Do you have a prediction for the next game?
1: That's so funny. I find myself like switching. I was just watching before I got on with you, actually. I'm switching between Costa Rica and Spain and Japan and, and Germany and like those teams. And like, and like I'm getting them mixed up because who's playing who? But I'm like, I don't care who plays. I love the competition. I love the fight. I love the mentality. I love the evolution of the game. If I watch it from minute one, all the way to the 90th plus, like how it changed, why it changed. You know, when personnel is subbed in or subbed out, how does the culture of the play change because someone has new ideas or a new energy about how to execute their role. And after like assessing kind of what the vibe is from the other team, we make the adjustments. And all it's just so cool. It's so fascinating, cool. So I don't have a favorite. I will though on Saturday morning, get up at 6 a.m. to watch the U.S. team play. I will do that. No lie, but you know, I, just, I just love the competition of any high level level sport, and and this is one of the highest in, in the world.
2: And uh, other cool, how did you? They had, I think, the first off female refing crew officiating yes, crew.
1: That was in Germany, I think. That I, I was watching. Awesome. When I saw it on socials that it was happening, I was like, let go. Like, yeah. it's about time. And I hope this isn't the last. It's the first of many, hopefully. And I was watching the um, on-field ref and she, she's so like tiny compared to the guys and blowing a whistle, getting in there. I was like, go girl, do you? Like She <laughs> was not afraid to like get in there and I loved seeing it. She's super confident. So she was holding it down really well.
2: Love it. Last question. In your work, what brings you the most joy in mm-hmm. what you get to do?
1: Love the question and thank you for it. Building relationships, like knowing people knowing them beyond what they're able to do like knowing what brings them joy what helps them feel loved and how they love helping them identify their strengths and like ways to show up in the world that they feel proud about but building those relationships you know with my my own technical team my colleagues there to the players to the parents of the players to front office staff, the coaches. It's just that human interaction and that knowing is really, really why I get up every morning.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing everything so beautifully said. And it's
0: great to connect on here.
1: I appreciate you. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Athlete Mindset is part of the CazSource Podcast Network. At Source, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching Source on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. The KazSource Podcast Network.